All right, there we are. Oh, avoid legal snags by telling people that you're recording. <laughs> you mention that every time just for fun. It's funny. Um, all right, so episode one of whatever we're calling this, because I don't think we're going to call it Fatty and the Fat Fat. <laughs> uh, uh, today we're talking about running backs. Um, there's going to be some divi- or division between the two of us. I know for certain uh, Keyshawn Vaughn is going to cause this podcast to end after one episode, uh, maybe halfway through. So uh, that's where that's at. Uh <sighs> Yeah, Nick Nick Chubb might as well. Don't leave, don't leave that poor guy out here. Oh yeah, I, I saw that too. Um, you're definitely much lower on him than not me, and I understand yeah. why. And we'll get to that when we get to it. But yeah. uh, where do you, you want to? Well, well, yeah, guess, just kind of just kind of as an overview look of running backs, especially looking at dynasty, kind of how the way the way you go about running backs. Um, for me, I think the biggest thing is like I almost do want to do like a you know, modified zero RB, I think is what they call it now in season long. Either get one of those top, um, for me, it's a top 14 guy. And if they're not a top 14 guy, I probably don't really want them and would be fine with having a guy that's in the 30, 40, 50 range. Um, those middling guys, they can just, their value can drop off so quickly. I know that's kind of becoming the trend now in, in Dynasty. You don't want, never want a running back on their second contract and, I think with a lot of these guys that are coming up in free agency, it's becoming more and more the case. Yeah, no, I I, I definitely think skewing younger uh, is obviously going to be the the top thing, unless it's you you almost you almost you just want to go uh, young guys and like have your fourth running back. You can get a, or your a couple guys who are receiving backs who will play into their you know late twenties. Uh, they seem to stick around a little bit longer than. Um, the guys at the top, we think are bell cows. So guys who can make a difference week to week, but aren't necessarily huge assets that you're, you're holding on to. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I, uh, I think my tier would probably be 13. Uh, and we'll get to the last guy in your 14 there that I'm just a little lower on landing spot than you, but yeah, I think you want one of these young guys who's under 25 and still in, you know, in the middle of or at the start of his first contract, uh, you know, there'll be exceptions, obviously, like McCaffrey or probably Barkley when he gets either re-signed by the Giants or, or gets signed by somebody else. But for the most part, yeah, I think guys on their first contract with their original team, those are the guys you're looking at and want to latch on to one or two of them. So, um, Can you hear a bunch of background noise right now? From you? Yeah. No, but I have my sound relatively though. Okay. They just started vacuuming upstairs. It's really loud for me, but uh, yeah, I can, I can definitely hear it in the background. I'll I'll try to I'll see if I can notice it when I put it into when I edit it down a little bit. But okay, yeah. I don't know I, if I you can, want to pause. I don't know if you want to pause real quick. I can have him stop. It'll yeah, we can. I'll, I'll just let it keep running. Uh, all right, I'll be right back. I can, we'll cut it out. No, it's all right. No, no, hey. No, All right, should be all good now. Sorry about that. Uh, what the fuck? Tell Liv to time her shit better. <laughs> Although I, I, I shouldn't assume it was Liv. Maybe it was, maybe it was oh, Jardo. You, and... you definitely should assume it was Liv. It, it was. 
Oh yeah. No, no, I meant just I meant just from a uh, a societal point of view. I was pretty certain Liv is the one who does the cleaning <laughs> and most of the cooking in the house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure, like the cleaning for sure. Uh, you and you and you and you and Jared don't strike me as lend a hand in the cleaning shit. <laughs> no, not not <laughs> as much as we should. That's for for sure. All right. Yeah. I, um. And then I, I, I were you looking? You put a how we rank running backs in the in our pre-show Google Doc. Um. Are you talking just how you go about doing your rankings or? Yeah, uh, just the running back position in in general. It's a little a little different in dynasty. I've been trying to skew with getting you know two three of these these top guys and uh, valuing that over like the top receivers. Okay, yeah, I yeah, I think the shift recently has definitely been that, especially with bow cows being less of a thing than they've ever been in the NFL. Um, I know we're we're assuming bell cow cow bell cow rolls for what the top five from this draft and maybe that's a little foolhardy that's a pretty big uh, number to come in all at once but um i think yeah getting bell cows are more valuable because of the splits that are happening right now um whereas more and more wide receivers than ever before are putting up numbers that we haven't seen from a wide receiver two or a wide receiver three so yeah, I, I definitely think that's that's the right path to go on. Yeah, I think that second part is even the biggest thing. Just more teams putting more receivers on the field, more wide receivers are um, have a little bit of value, and you know won't won't kill you. Where you know running you know running back thirty forty, I mean starting one of those guys really hurts. Where starting receiver thirty forty um, isn't nearly as bad. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, I know. Let's. Uh, I mean, it's right after the draft, so let's let's pop right into uh, the rookie running backs. Um, for you, you have uh, Taylor, Gladiator, Tulare, uh, Dobbins, Acres, and Swift as your top five. Um, with uh, Vaughn. Yeah, I don't have him too far. I got him a tier below those guys, but not too far behind. Yeah, I was just kind of looking at your next couple with with Vaughn Moss and and Dylan all in the top uh, thirty five guys. So, um, and for me, I have uh, as Taylor, uh, Clyde Edgelair, Dobbins, Acres, Swift, uh, Vaughn, and that is. And Vaughn in my top 35. Um, so I don't have Moss or um, Dylan. And actually, Dylan, for me, in my personal rankings, Dylan falls to uh, running back 47. And he's actually my eighth running back behind uh, Darrington Evans. Um, so uh, I think we're – are we aligned on the top five in our order? Yes, I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, I know the big debate in fantasy is now who do you take 101, uh, Taylor or Clyde Edwards Lair? Um, I know you have, go ahead. You have Taylor a couple spots in, in front of Hilaire overall. I have them back to back, eight and nine. Uh, I, I think you're kind of splitting hairs. I think Taylor is definitely the more talented running back and definitely has the floor. Um, but Clyde Edwards Lair has the upside just with 
that offense being so good, it you know, he could come in year one and catch 60 passes and score 10, 12 touchdowns. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely have I, – or I, I, I had Taylor a, a fair ways above in, in my own – uh, NFL or uh, NFL draft rankings. Um, I guess that's. I mean, I, I probably let that affect my fantasy, especially for rookies, a, a little more than I should. Uh, for me, Taylor uh, Mac doesn't provide a Mac doesn't provide the threat to me that um, and Taylor's pass blocking. Uh, he, he's not the best at it. Uh, doesn't provide as much of a question behind the Indio line, which can handle five-man protections much better, whereas CEH going into a place where, you know, Williams has been there and performed well. Yes, they brought him in. He's going to be part of the passing game, but that passing game also scores a lot of touchdowns that would go to running backs in a lot of other places. Uh, so that's why I have a little bit bigger gap, but um, they're definitely both in the – they're both in the same tier for me. Um, uh, the My – you know, my overall rankings, when we get to that, I'd say my second tier is probably from four down to about 13. I think any one of those guys I could uh, see taking them, and I wouldn't think someone was a, a giant idiot for taking any one of those guys above the rest. So, Yeah, I was pretty low on Edward Solaire coming in. I thought he was more more product of the, the system at LSU, and I think uh... – I think that might be true, but he got put into the exact system that uh, almost the exact system that he was at at LSU, so he can be be a product of this this system as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I and yeah, I was I was definitely higher than you were on him, and I think the landing spot uh, is great. I we just I I'm just going to stumble for a while. <laughs> yeah, for me too. The, big, the biggest thing was draft capital too. It's not like. You know, he kind of fell in the draft, and the Chiefs took him in the the third round or something. They clearly uh, that was clearly the guy they were targeting. Um, I thought that was a that could that was something that could happen to him um, was kind of a free fall, and that clearly clearly did not. I think there'd be a big difference if he was even in the same spot, but taken in the second or third round. Yeah, no, no, that, that's absolutely true. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess for us, there's not. I mean, there's not a huge difference in where we have uh, any of these guys. I mean. You have, well, you have Edward Jolaire a little. Oh no, we have Edward Jolaire one one spot apart. Uh, for me, T- Taylor's the one where I'm way out ahead of you. And I there's a fair chance you could talk me back down on him by the time we get around to the season. But um, we both have Dobbins and Anchors back to back, and uh, you're a couple spots higher on Swift. Uh, why don't you? Uh, since we're on rookie running backs, we're gonna get here anyways. And we both have them six. Uh, you are definitely higher on Keyshawn Vaughn coming in than I am. I think the landing spot is is really nice. You know, they spent enough draft capital on on him to to make it worthwhile. But uh, I guess for me, the 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 couple of detractions I'll put in here, and then let you you go on your crusade here is he's older than the the backfield mate he's coming in to to compete against. That uh, backfield mate has more. Draft capital uh, invested in him by the same front office, um, and I like Vaughn, but I, I just I'm not I'm not sold that he's consistent enough to really be the every down back. I think a lot of people think he might be walking right into that system. Yeah, um, 
I, the one thing that I don't understand what really matters is everyone likes to talk about, yeah, Ronald Jones is, you know, two months younger. That's great. He's also had two years to, to prove himself in the NFL and has clearly not done that. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, the biggest reason he was an older prospect is because uh, he wasn't used at Illinois like he should have been and, and transferred. So obviously it's not great, but um, I think taking him in the third round was, was key. And Ronald Jones just hasn't shown anything, and I think them drafting uh, drafting Vaughn clearly shows that. And uh, like you said, talked about uh, pass blocking before. I know that's been a major problem with Ronald Jones and uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. Well, I am not a not a big tape watcher. I, I couldn't tell you if he's a great pass blocker or not. I'm I'm pretty sure he's better than uh, than Ronald Jones. Yep. And if he uh, if he if he can come to the league and, and make an impact there. Um, uh, Brady's, Brady's going to have Aaron, or Brady and Aaron's going to play who Brady, Brady trusts, especially when it comes to pass protection, um, and his lack of mobility. So if, if he can show out there, um, this will, I'll, I'll be too low on him and, and, uh, he'll provide a lot more value than I, I think he could. So, yeah. um, is there anybody rookie wise, uh, that you noticed uh, either between the two of us or in my rankings that you you wanted to kind of question? I was just going to say one more thing about Vaughn. Uh, the biggest oh, sure. thing is just um, all the guys that I have right behind him, I kind of have him at uh, the top of my – at kind of the top middle of that tier. Um, the guys he's all kind of all around are just big question mark guys that um, could have a big change in scenery in the next year. Um, we're here – he's at least stable for the next – the next couple of years, you know, you got Brady for two years and then, uh, then we'll see what happens to that team in that offense. Um, but I think he's on a little more stable situation than a lot of the guys I have ranked around him. Yeah. I guess, I guess the only guy since I use that specific point, um, the only guy I would kind of question why you don't have him maybe flipped is, is Montgomery in that tier. Uh, you yeah. have him at, at 22 and or at 21 and, and he's, they they didn't make any moves to add to that backfield this year, um, and he got the workload last year and performed all right. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that David Montgomery is this fan, or a fantastic running back or was last year, but he's got one year in the league where he did well enough for a rookie. And I wonder if, or uh, I, I guess that that argument you made for Vaughn could also apply to Montgomery. Yeah, uh, for me the biggest thing with Montgomery is he just doesn't have that pass catching upside or that like. Uh, top five offense upside where I think uh, Vaughn could fit into the pass catching role. And um, I'm a little lower on Tampa Bay. Than I think some people are, but they, I can at least see a path to them having a top five up uh, offense. I can't really see much of a pass to path to the bears having a, a top five offense. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Trubisky would have to show some real maturation or, or Foles would have to slot in there and, and do a, well, a more amazing job than I think he would. So, yeah, I think if you were thin at running back and really needed um, someone to be a for sure starter every week, uh, Montgomery would probably be the way to go. But um, I would just lean towards Fawn's upside and you know, kind of the unknown of how. Yeah, and in a dynasty do. format, you're gonna take you're gonna take risks uh, with your you know what at that point is a, a low end running back two or or uh, a running back three. So um, I don't think I don't think any of us would want to want either one of those guys to be our. Our RB one heading into this season. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, the the biggest other thing that stands out to me with the rookie running backs is uh, the, the Buffalo situation. Um, I'm not super high on Zach Moss. I think 
Um, he's just kind of a guy, but they at least invested a little bit in him. And, you know, you've seen the reports, which they're all kind of a dime a dozen this time of the year, but they're going to use him in kind of that Frank Gore goal line role, which I think really can just limit uh, Singletary's upside. Yeah, I, I, I can see that happening. Uh, I like Moss's game. I thought he was a uh, showed pretty impressive balance, but uh, he kind of falls into that David Montgomery or that David Montgomery mold from last year, where people pointed out that the athleticism wasn't quite what you'd want it to be. Um, I think he could vulture goal line stuff, but I, I do think that if we're just talking those two and 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 who we like more or less, I I think Singletary is still the better option out of the backfield. Uh, there and I would ex- even if uh, Moss gets, I think Gore had a 160 carries. So even if Moss gets 102 or 120 or so, uh, Singletary is still looking at 170 carries and you know 30 to 40 balls out of the backfield. And I think he's the I I would still stick with him as the better option there. I, where did you end up having him? I I put him back to back 28 and 29. Um, yeah, I really am not sure. That's one of those offenses and situations that uh, I was kind of surprised by the, the Zach Moss pick. I thought he was a pretty similar player to, to Singletary. Um, neither of them have that clear defined, you know, two ground, two down grinder role versus pass catcher role. Um, so it kind of confused me. I assumed they were going to go with more of a um, more of a pass catching running back if they were going to draft one. Uh, so I'm not really sure. I think it, it kind of showed what they think of him that uh, clearly they don't want to use him as a bell cow. Um, my question, yeah, it's just, is he going to get, is he going to score the touchdowns and is he going to be the one catching passes? Cause if not, I mean, you can have 200 touches and it uh, not be super valuable for fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, I know they were drafted in, in separate years from each other, but I kind of look at, uh, Moss and Singletary, the way I thought about Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones when they were drafted in the same round for the Packers uh, two years ago. Uh, guys who seem to point to similar usages and, and maybe skill sets at, at, at the, in the league. Uh, and, and for me, it's just a matter of, of who I preferred more. Um, I mean, in that case, I was right with, with Jones over Williams, but I, I could just as easily be Wrong here, favoring Singletary over Moss. Yeah, and that, I mean, I don't have a huge uh, argument of one versus the other. That's why I kind of stuck them right next to each other. You just have uh, such a wide gap between them. Oh yeah, and for I guess for me the wide gap is there because Singletary performed up to what you'd expect a rookie to do, put in that place where they clearly wanted to try to re- or not give him too much of a role week to week, but he still managed to. Uh, put up at least uh, from a, a just counting stats perspective uh, what you might expect from a rookie in a league. And I, I thought that was enough for me that with where they're, where they're at with Moss coming in that uh, I'll take that year leg up that, that Singletary has and keep the, and have a gap there. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see that. I might be a little, um, a little high on Moss. I should probably have a little bit of separation there, but. Yeah, actually, and for for that, uh, you know, not that I want to sit here and just destroy your rankings because that's not at all my uh, my goal here. But 
if to me, if you're going to do the 20 or put them next to each other like that, I probably would have dropped both of them down, you know, a, a, like a half, like a half tier at least just because that would suggest that neither is going to be overly valuable this year for fantasy. If, if it ends up being, you know, the two of them and, and a, a little bit of Mick or a little bit of Yeldon mixed in, uh, they, they probably have less value than that. And it really muddies up what the future looks like for either of them. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Um, I think the next guy that we're really uh, far apart on is uh, Nick Chubb. I have him at uh, running back 13. And I know you have him at running back five. Uh, for me, it was just the the scary usage was hit him in the second half of last year. Uh, well, he finished at, I think, what was that, week 10? Kareem Hunt came back in those last, uh, last eight weeks. Kareem Hunt was running back 17, and Nick Chubb was only running back 15. Uh he really ate into his workload a lot more than, than I know I expected uh, when they first brought in Hunt. I actually traded for him in one of our dynasty leagues, assuming it wasn't going to be a problem, and ended up way overpaying for him. Uh, maybe that's part of the reason I'm a little lower on him, too, just because he kind of uh, kind of burned me in the second half of last year. But uh, if he just loses that uh, loses that uh, the reception upside... Uh, you know, they're moving to more of a two-tight end system. Maybe that'll help them out uh, running the ball a little more uptick in carries this year. If uh, Step- Stepanski really implements kind of like what he did in uh, Minnesota. But a full year at Cream Hunt, I think, could really, really hurt him. Yeah, and I yeah, I think I think if we – I guess I left him at, at five uh, because if we assume Stepanski's offense is going to look like the last couple of years in Minnesota – it would suggest that he uh, he prefers the traditional bell, at least Belkow ish uh, RB one, um, and and someone who's going to be more of a downhill runner than uh, the say the Kareem Hunt role as as uh, I don't want to say scat back because obviously Kareem Hunt isn't and, and hasn't ever been utilized in that limited Duke Johnson esque role. Um, and trust me, I know what that Duke Johnson role looks like. I've, I've begged on that man's talent winning out for a couple of years, and it's always come back to bite me in both dynasty and uh, in uh, single-season leagues. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, um, I pulled it up just to, to kind of look here. Um, I, I don't think we called Delvin Cook a, a huge, an, an obvious receiving option as a running back, right? No, uh, but he he had five times the targets that Madison had last year in, in Minnesota. I actually had 60 targets with 250 carries. And I, I just looking at something like that, I, I think Stefanski probably I would think Chubb would have a similar role. And even if you take, you know, 15, 20 percent of those targets off for Chubb because Hunt's there, I, I think that still leaves him at at, you know, 225 plus carries and, and probably 40 to 50 uh, uh, targets. And I think that's going to put him, maybe I'm a little high at five if that ends up being the case, but it's not going to put him much outside the top eight. Yeah, for me, the biggest thing was they could have let Kareem Hunt walk this year. Um, I know he was a restricted free agent, so it was a little a little tougher for him to, to go somewhere, but they clearly had a want to keep him around. Uh, I think if they really had... And I know they've got almost nobody behind those two, but with this being a you know a, a decent running back class, they would have had no problem with taking someone you know fifth sixth round. 
um, to back him up, but they obviously uh, saw some value in Kareem Hunt and keeping him around. Oh, yeah. Yeah, again, I don't think there's no value in Hunt. I, I have I have uh, Chubb at five and... Uh, yeah, Hunt at 22. 22, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I... I I definitely see a much more pronounced uh, um, role split than you do, because uh, you had well, I guess you had Hunt lower than I did too. So yeah, um, yeah, I guess maybe maybe I'm speaking out both ends of my mouth as far as to what I expect them to do, and and maybe I'm too high on what that that Cleveland offense can be this year, and I mean that would make two years in a row here uh, with with pumping that up, so. I know it's it's definitely something for me to look at and kind of pin down how I think that usage is going to go. Um, I get to them and I started my what was that? I started my fantasy or my projections again for yardage and stuff, uh, like I did last year. I know you you know what I'm talking about. People listening have no idea, but uh, last year I decided to screw around with projections, kind of like Clay does at ESPN, and I'm sure other places have guys who do it. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't get to Cleveland yet. Although I did do. This is fascinating radio right now. Yeah, I, I have. I have Hunt down for, or I have. Uh, yeah, I have two. I have two few rushes for Hunt this year. I have them at thirty-eight and forty targets. So I need to up that. And now that I look at it, it just seems stupid that I did it in the first place. And I had. Oh, no. No, I just need to adjust this in all in all. So we're not going to talk about what I have for my projections because they are far from finished. And if I say them out loud right now, I'll feel really stupid. <laughs> yeah, for me, I just have them kind of at um, like the bottom end of my tier three. Uh, I just think a lot of these guys in front of them have that, that pass-catching upside. Um, like, I know, Miles Sanders, Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, uh, Josh Jacobs. Those are kind of all guys I have um, in front of them. And I know I'm higher on a lot of the rookies than than a lot of people like J.K. Dobbins and uh, Cam Akers I have in front of him as well. Uh, I just don't see the the full upside there. Um, but uh, yeah, and and that's our big that's our that's our shift in in that range. I think we have all of the same players from six to thirteen or or five to thirteen. Oh no, you have. Who bumped up ahead of you? Or uh, who's the one guy I have below him that you have above him? Oh, okay, yeah. So with with Mixon jumping into your top six, we have all the same people except for Mixon from fourteen up, or from thirteen up. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I have it, it, I again, and like I like we were saying before, for me, from either Kamara at four or Chubb at five down to thirteen, I think. I would be fine with any of them going in any order. So the the fact that you have that switched around, like, yeah, we're we're eight slots off. I think they all have very similar upside and, and pretty similar floors. So um, I, I can't fault you too much for you know rotating that around. Yeah, I agree. I think that's something. I think fantasy is kind of slowly starting to move towards. Is not you know the hard set one two three four five ranking, but kind of putting guys in tiers because when you know you look at it that way, if you kind of look at it. Both well, I had a tier breaking down. Basically, you'd have them at, you know, the, the top of your tier three, and I kind of have them at the bottom of my tier three, which 
isn't nearly as far off when you say that compared to, you know, you have him as hard-ranked five, and I have, have him as ranked 13. Putting him in that, that tier category really makes it, okay, maybe there's not as big a gap uh, between the two as it looks like on paper. Yeah, and I, I think I, I like I like doing both. Um, I, I always put my uh, – when I write about my rankings, I always put them in tiers. Um, because I think it's, it's helpful for me to visualize and it, when I write about it, I have to defend my positions, uh, in which I guess this will be much like that too. Uh, and if I can't quite get uh, verbalized or internalize my reasons, uh, uh, that definitely makes me think, well, am I, am I in the right place with that player? Because it, it should be most of the time relatively easy. Obviously we're going to have those those gut feels and flag plants in certain people that you can't quite defend, but um, especially at the top of, you know, like this at the top of the running backs, uh, you should be able to say why you like a guy who you're going to take probably in the first couple rounds of a, dra- of a draft or put a fair amount of money on uh, in an auction. Yeah. I think the, the next guy that uh, has the biggest gap is uh, Austin Eckler for sure. Um, you seem to be pretty low on him. Do you have any, uh, I didn't really think I had a strong opinion on him. I kind of just stuck him, um, you know, kind of in the middle there, right behind the real young guys, right along with a bunch of the guys that kind of have the big question marks, um, in the up, up and coming years. Uh, why did you have him ranked so low? Uh, I guess I had Eckler so low because he's, He'll be 25, and I looked at the other guys who I have in this, you know, third, fourth tier range, uh, who are right about that age, and I don't, I don't see him, and I don't think the Chargers see him as a bell cow, uh, where other guys in this range have definitely have been used that way, and have that upside. Um, yes, they didn't bring in a direct replacement for him this year, uh, but they also as soon as Melvin Gordon came back, relegated him back to his role or that, uh, that third down receiving back role. Um, and maybe not all the way there, but I, I guess I just, I think they find someone to carry the load here next year or next year. And that leaves Eckler back in his, let's say very useful role. And in fantasy, uh, uh, a nice points producing role. Um, so, you know, I, I don't have him outside my what would be, you know, a top 36 running back uh, going forward. So an RB, RB3 in fantasy, but I just, I don't have him. Or I just think uh, where the other guys have Belkow upside, he, he doesn't have, or he doesn't quite have that. Yeah, I know. I was just kind of looking at the uh, splits with Kareem Hunt in and out uh, of the lineup for Cleveland, and I noticed... Uh, this was the final eight weeks of the season that he was running back nine and Melvin Gordon was running back 10. So that offense could still produce um, two top 10 guys. I mean, I, by no means do I expect that this year, but I do think, uh, I think he performed a little better than, uh, than people think even after Melvin Gordon, uh, just that, that pass catching upside is what, what really did it for him. Uh, I wouldn't expect him to repeat, you know, eight receiving touchdowns. Um, but I mean, 104 targets and, 132 carries uh, with only bringing in uh, uh, a running back in the later rounds. I could definitely see that um, a similar, similar number repeated uh, target wise. Yeah. And I would, I, what I would say too, uh, just to, 
to tear myself down even farther is if I am going to have him here, then it, it, it makes little to no sense for me to have Justin Jackson where I do uh, in the mid-70s um, because someone has to get those carries, and it's almost certainly not going to be Joshua Kelly from U- UCLA. Uh, not that he can't step up and have a bigger role, especially with um, it just being Jackson and Eckler on that depth chart with Kelly and I believe, if I remember from looking today, uh three just three undrafted rookies that they brought in um and maybe kelly's a bigger threat than either of us think because it he i mean he was a fourth round pick he he wasn't you know a sixth or seventh round guy they brought in just to add roster depth that would uh with them only bringing in kelly this offseason and then three college or uh undrafted free agents uh maybe we are looking at a a weirder split in that backfield with uh, two young guys than uh we think we are yeah, I'm actually like quite a bit higher on. I mean, you're. I have Kelly at 32, and you have him at 76. Um, I I think Kelly's going to come in immediately and take the any carries that Justin Jackson got. I I think he's kind of a, a thing of the past. He didn't seem to produce well last year. Um, he's also a little more undersized than uh, people seem to remember. And uh, I, I liked his talent coming out. He played in junior college right away, and. Uh, you know, didn't have a, a ton of success in uh, at at the big time Power Five conference level, but um, they obviously valued him a little bit at least fifth round draft capital. So I actually have him as uh, you know right in front of uh, AJ Dillon for uh, for rookie running backs. Yeah, and and that's uh, not you know looking at and talking about it. It's definitely a guy I need to do a little more research in and and uh, and have a have a better understanding of, of him and his game and, and what he's going to bring to the chargers. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that, that's definitely a blind spot for me right now. And I, I that, that's what I'll have to fix. So I, I got to figure out what I think even more on that, that chargers backfield. Cause yeah, I would, I would say right now I'm, I, if I'm going to have Eckler where I have them, then I'm way off on either, uh, Justin Jackson or, or uh, more likely on, on Joshua Kelly. So, yeah, no, that that's a that's a fair that's a fair point out there, and and I'll, I'll try to fix that. Yeah, the other big question mark with them is just with obviously a new quarterback, no more Philip Rivers. He was kind of notorious for targeting the running back a lot. Um, I know Tyrod is basically the opposite. Um, you know, the stereotypical running quarterbacks never target the running back. Um, I'm not really sure how long he's even going to be be the starter, um, and how the whole quarterback situation will will affect them, but I think that's one thing that uh, kind of puts a question mark behind Eckler and just their whole running back uh, committee in general. Yeah, I, I guess I wouldn't be too worried about the Tyrod effect on that um, because I think Herbert will be starting by week eight. Um, I, I like Tyrod. I have since his Buffalo days. Uh, I thought he got done wrong there, uh, but I think – I think it's much more likely we see what happened to him in Cleveland happen again in, in Los Angeles um, than I, I do in thinking that we see Tyrod for the entire season. Yeah. I mean, I think if you have him at, you know, playing eight weeks, I think, I mean, I know this is dynasty, so you're not just looking at this year, you're looking ahead. But um, if he plays for eight weeks, I think that could take a big hit on uh, Eckler's value. I, I would take the way under on eight weeks. I would I would be surprised if he starts past week four. Um, oh yeah, yeah. No. Obviously, there's 
Yeah, I, I think I think Herbert's probably <laughs> starting week one. I but uh, yeah, I think I think if you were making projections as to the split of starts the two of them have, I yeah, I, I think a a pretty conservative and and probably the right amount is having Tyrod with they're projected for four to six games and then work from there. Yeah, I would agree on that. Um, anyone else you see a big uh, big difference? Um, in our rankings, I guess the the next one that kind of stands out to me would be uh, Chris Carson. Yeah, that, I just, that's who I just saw as well. Uh, we're we're eighteen spots up. I, uh, I Chris Carson is he's fine, and maybe that consistency deserves more respect from me. Um, he, yeah, I, I yeah, I, for me, I guess it's just. Chris Carson is a perfectly adequate running back, and you would think that the Seahawks could find something better to utilize in that offense, and they don't. So I, I, I just don't – we've been thinking for two years now that Carson time's going to be done pretty quick. Uh, do you know what his, his salary or his contract looks right, like? Um, I'm pretty sure he's a free agent at the end of the year. Yeah, I with, with, with unless yeah, I unless we see a contract extension before the start of the year. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a free agent at the end of the oh, year. Okay, yeah, it, it, unless he gets a contract extension here or mid-year, um, I I have to, I would I would be pretty comfortable in saying that it's probably going to be Chris Carson's last year in Seattle. Um, and if that's the case, I I think he. I mean, maybe he Peyton Barbers us and, and gets 10 to 12 starts on a team every year. That just doesn't make sense. Uh, uh, but And he's had a better career and a, a pretty nice career in Seattle uh, for what we all thought of him. Uh, and I just I, – I, I, we're, 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 we're talking dynasty, and if we're looking out three years instead of just one year, I know some people like to look out farther than three. I generally like to look out three I just think we see Carson in a, a third, uh, you know, a third running back role for a team after his contract's up with Seattle here, um, and I, I just and then maybe maybe that means forty three is too high, but I think forty three is a a nice middle ground between hey he's Peyton Barber for three years after he leaves Seattle and hey he resigns with Seattle and is still running back twenty four every year. I just don't see the a huge difference between uh, you know him. Obviously, you know, Gurley's got a little more of the talent. But he's got the knee injuries. Gurley on the one-year deal, and then uh, James Conner as well. I've got those guys all kind of together. Um, all three of them uh, free agents at the end of the year and kind of b- big cr- question marks on uh, what's going to happen after this year. Oh, yeah, and and I, I, what I'll say is, uh, for me, Gurley's where he is because of talent. Um, I, he's, even with, even with the knee injuries, he's still far more talent, or he's still – I think has a much higher upside than a guy like Carson. Uh, Connor's a tricky one for me. I, 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 I get your point, or I see your point. Um, I, yeah, maybe I guess he, he even with the one year, his upside here year one is more than Carson's to me. Uh, but yeah, I, maybe I should be a little there. Move Connor's ahead of a couple of younger guys that I that definitely. Uh, that definitely could jump a, or jump in front of them, and and uh, yeah, I 
I did, for me, the girly girlies where he is because I think if he manages to stay healthy and on teams for three more years, he's he's an RB two or a fantasy RB two option, uh, more likely than not. Yeah, I think the one other thing with Carson is just all the negative reports, and I, you know, I might be falling for the, the the trap, but all the negative reports on Rashad Penny probably being on the pup list to start the year. Um, We'll see if that really comes becomes true. I know DJ Dallas has been gaining a little bit of um, a little bit of hype, but uh, he just isn't going to have much competition, especially if you have a limited off season. You know the rookies don't quite get the get the work they normally do. It it could just be the Carson show for it. You know at least this year. Then after that, uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, no, I uh, uh, that's that's a fair point. Um, uh, what. Did did Penny take all that much from him last year, production wise? Uh the end of the end of the year. Well, Penny's end of the year. I know he did. It started off as the you know the Chris Carson show, and then uh, uh, kind of the second half of the year, Penny slowly started to eat into eat into his role, and then uh, tore his ACL. If I'm not mistaken, there was one game where he actually um, out carried Carson, or at least out touched him. I know. Um, let me pull up his game logs from last year so yeah i know like week 12 against philly uh penny had 129 yards week 13 he had 107 on uh, 14 and 15 carries and he had uh and i think one target and five targets in those two games and that's where he kind of started uh uh i have him on a, on a dynasty team and i was hoping hey maybe this is you know they're finally putting a little uh confidence boost in him and then that was week 14 when he tore his acl so we'll never really know for sure if that was why exactly he also got that boost because he went you know four carries two carries and also in 14 and 15 carries and then uh proceeded to tear his acl after one uh, one reception that in that next game yeah yeah and um well and i think even without penny it, carson doesn't really produce in the past game and I'm sure you can find three uh, guys real quick here where it shows that I don't mind that in a running back. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I just – I think Carson is a – Carson's a throwback running back, and it works in that system because Brian Schottenheimer is uh, 89 years old at heart running an offense. But uh, I, I think, yeah. I, I guess this is kind of predicated on him just kind of fading out here as his contract winds down, which, you know, obviously I didn't know when I made the ranking, but help definitely helps what I, what I think. And uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I see him fading out and maybe that's premature of me or, or a little foolhardy, but that's kind of where I'm at with Carson. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's, his targets were great last year. He had his 25th in running back targets. Obviously not not what you want, but um, still uh, still not as bad as I think uh, I think some people some people think about him. Yeah, no, I, yeah, ab- absolutely, and and you know twenty twenty something rushes a game is is not something that a lot of running backs you know uh, can can claim uh, last year you know in in this day and age where. More and more committee backs are, are seeing split touches. So, uh, yeah, no, it, it's one I'll have to kind of look at and 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 see if yeah, I maybe can bump him up a little bit. 
he's a guy I've just kind of come around to a little more of a liking because I think part of it was, you know, we all have the, the hope that, hey, maybe this will be the year that Seattle finally gets it together and, le- and unleashes uh, Russell Wilson. And I think that's part of the reason that, you know, people have been a little lower on Carson is that assumption. And I just, at this point, it just doesn't seem like it might ever happen. Yeah. No, I, yeah, Penny's definitely one of those guys where it, it's uh, it's uh, it's a bummer because there's definitely some talent there. And he, he had, he had uh, a habit of making spectacular plays at San Diego State and uh, just never quite stayed healthy enough or, or got the chances to, to really put it all together. Yeah, with Carson being a free agent in 2021, I think that uh, is a big thing to be looking forward to in 2021 when talking about running backs is all of uh, all of the free agents that um, are to be this next season. This is one of the bigger running back free agent classes that, I mean, I can remember at least uh, what there's going to be. I see Delvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, Leonard Fournette, uh, Gurley and Drake are all kind of your bigger uh, uh, number one bell call running backs for at least a year. Uh, that will be free agents. And then you've got uh, other guys that are, you know, a little lower on the the running back ranks, but still make a big impact to their backfield. Uh, Chris Carson, James Conner, Marlon Mack, Tariq Cohen, uh, Jamal Williams, Philip Lindsay, Damian Williams, and uh, most of the San Francisco running backs um, are free agents. McKinnon, Jeff Wilson, and uh, Tevin Coleman are all free agents. I just think this is a big class that uh, next year we could look back at these uh, rankings and kind of laugh just at how, how much things have changed. Oh, I, as someone who routinely looks at his own rankings after every year, uh, I, we won't even have to get to the end of free agency next year to, to laugh at these rankings. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, it, that that and that definitely muddies the water here. You know, uh, what you have eight in the top twenty-four or twelve in the top like forty that are out of contract and. And we know that those second contracts aren't big, and and their teams are are very willing to just cut bait and bait and let those guys fall the wayside uh, when they're done with that first contract if they're not special or or not really what they want anymore. And so, yeah, I, I definitely I think those those guys are definitely going to shake it up. I I would say, you know, uh, guys like Kamara or uh, Cook and Mixon are are definitely. Guys will get a second contract, whether it's for the team they're with or with somebody else. But I think where guys like Fournette go or where Jones goes, uh, Gurley with the knees uh, are definitely really intriguing. You can shake up a lot of things um, uh, from a fan- from a fantasy standpoint and from a football standpoint. Yeah, for me, like you said, those top three guys, um, I'm fairly confident whether they resign or not, they're going to at least get paid a decent amount and be a fairly uh, – big role in whatever offense they land in, but it's, like you said, these second-tier guys that really could, uh, um, you know, shake up an offense. You know, Seattle loses Chris Carson, but what if they bring in Leonard Fournette on a cheap deal or, um, you know, James Conner, a lot, a lot of these guys that uh, really has me trying to stay away from that uh, tier that I kind of have those guys in just because I think there's so much so much uncertainty and we're already playing a game that has uh, – has a lot of uncertainty. I don't need to add any more uh, um, to my team. Yeah, no, and and that definitely uh, that knowledge makes guys in that 
maybe in that like fifth tier more interesting. You know, a guy like Madison has value not just because I think Madison's a good or a, a good running back. Uh, liked him coming out last year, but also because if Cook is gone, you know, he's a guy who steps into a large role on a team that uh, definitely focus or uses a running back as the focal point of their offense. Yeah, I think uh, that's one thing, especially just to monitor throughout the season, those those big three guys and what kind of happens to them. I know Joe Mixon's already threatened uh, threatened the holdout. Uh, not even exactly sure who they would have as their backup. I know they drafted the two rookies last year. Um, Travion Williams and Rodney Anderson. Yeah, what they would do if he did hold out. Um, it would be a very interesting situation. Um. But with Christian McCaffrey getting this big deal, I think that kind of hurts uh, hurts these front offices that are trying to re-sign these guys where, okay, you look at the Melvin Gordon deal and, okay, we'll give you that plus a little. Well, now you look at the Christian McCaffrey deal and Zeke Elliott deal. Well, which which tier are these guys going to really want to fight for? Obviously, they should fall somewhere in the middle, but depending on how much they really want to fight and push back um, could be make a huge difference on their fantasy value and their, their backup's fantasy value. Yeah, I definitely think the Zeke deal is going to be a, a thorn in the team sides more than McCaffrey. With McCaffrey, they can pretty clearly point to, well, you're not getting 100 targets and toting the rock 300 times. Uh, uh, you know, you know, a guy like Barkley maybe in uh, you know four year, or in three years will have that type of leverage. Uh, you know, Kamara's always had a a pound running or a running back. Uh, uh, with him to take some of that rushing workload off his plate. I know he's still been stellar as far as workload and, and what a lot of people thought he could do, myself included. Um, but I, I'm going to pull that up right here because I'm not. I just want to see what his rushes. Yeah, he he's he hasn't topped 200 rushes uh, in his first three years in the league. Um, now he started under 10 games two of those years and. And the year he came uh, closest, he would have gotten over 200 if he played all 16. But uh, yeah, I think I think those those two deals this year definitely changed the landscape a little bit. But uh, teams have been pretty or pretty clear on the fact that they aren't going to pay running backs uh, because they just don't value them the way that they used to. I just thought that McCaffrey deal gave them a little more leverage leverage with uh, uh, Melvin Gordon really struggling to get a deal as much as he did. Um, they've at least got a couple guys to point to now that have been recent uh, signees. Um, just be interesting to see how that plays out and how that you know affects running backs in the future as well. That you know Nick Chubb is not too far behind those guys, and you know that class of running backs. Uh, what ends up happening with them? Oh yeah, but we're definitely looking at with with the uh, seventeen and eight or seventeen running backs uh, being free agents after this year, and and eighteen being free agents after next year, except for the first round guys. Uh, for the most part, uh, uh, yeah, we're we're definitely heading into a, a very interesting dynamic between uh, the those two uh, groups as far as negotiating and and I think I think we'll see we're like we said we're going to see a lot of changes here in the next couple of years as far as where guys go uh, but we'll see uh, it'll be interesting to see what teams try to do to retain guys who may want more but are still have a couple of years left on their deal uh, to kind of get into that 27 year uh 
uh, range with uh, guys they really like instead of uh, you know signing out into age twenty nine with with slightly larger deals. So, yeah, no, I, I think it's a, I think it's a, a a very interesting point and something that will affect uh, fantasy for sure and especially dynasty owners because uh, we're definitely in a new era of what running the ball means and what bell cow means. So, yeah, because even if you just look at where guys were drafted, I mean Zeke was not drafted that that long ago and he was a top five pick. And now look at Jonathan Taylor, who I would consider a fairly similar prospect. Um, you know, both awesome between the tackles um, and carrying the ball, and both have question marks in the receiving game. And you know, Jonathan Taylor fell to early early second round, and Zeke went top five. Just the the dramatic difference that uh, um, teams finally seem to be catching up to the to the you know team no running backs almost. It'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, these guys getting paid. Yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, I had Taylor slightly behind where I had Zeke coming out. But, um, yeah, the, the fact that you didn't hear, uh, we all pretty much, you know, we didn't hear almost any chatter about much in the way of, of first-round running backs um, and that it was the uh, more proficient slash more used receiving back that got taken at the very end of the first round, definitely. Uh, says a lot about how or where the value is with that position. Uh, anything else you want to touch on? Yeah, I didn't know if we wanted to kind of go through and do um, like a little draft with where we would uh, kind of pick guys, kind of like what we did with um, quarterbacks. Oh yeah, sure, absolutely. Uh, 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 did we want? Did you or uh, did you go first last time or me? Yeah, I went first last time. You can lead the way this time. Okay, I, I think the top is. I mean, the, the two picks we're going to have is, is real simple, obviously. Uh, <laughs> we both have McCaffrey and Barkley in a tier. That stands pretty well alone well, with, with the rest of them. I'm going to go um, – I, I want to make sure I was looking at a different screen here. Yeah, I'm going to go Barkley. Um, we talked about this the other day. I know the ages are pretty similar. Uh, I just think if year forward, that extra year or two and – I, I I don't I can't believe I'm saying this, but the stability of the Giants, at least for the next couple of years, what they're going to look like, and and who's going to be around Barkley gives him that slight edge for me over McCaffrey, who's you know got an extra year. Uh, uh, I don't really worry about the wear and tear so much. You uh, when you get that type of workload, you tend to have it until you just break down, um, and it, it's pretty steady year to year. So I'm I'm not too worried about him. Uh, you know, losing that role or breaking down too much, but I'll, I'll take Barkley, but it's by the slimmest of margins. And, and I don't feel comfortable saying the stability of the giants and uh, Daniel Jones is what's making me do it, but we'll say that for now. Yeah. Obviously I'll go McCaffrey here. Um, I think if you own either one of them in any of your leagues and you can get, uh, you know, if you have McCaffrey and you can get Barkley plus a little bit, I would say, 100% go for it. I think they're they're both so close. Um, everyone looks at the down year from Barkley last year, but I think that sprained ankle really hurt him. You know, everyone was so so impressed that he came back so quickly, but I I think that was the wrong decision. He clearly uh clear, clearly was affecting him those first couple games back. But if you were able to make the playoffs la- last year with him, uh, he kind of showed when he finally got healthy um, that he's still the real deal, and there's absolutely no question marks about him. Uh, my next pick. Uh, probably going to be Alvin Kamara. He's had that uh, 81 target uh, for his first three years. 
he does have question marks after after this year with him being a free agent. What's going to happen to Drew Brees? What are they going to do at the quarterback quarterback position? Big part of his success is that offense being so good, and you know him having that connection with Drew Brees. So I think there is just you know you wouldn't think one one and two would be such a big gap, but I think there is a, a pretty large gap here. But uh, tomorrow will be my pick at three. Yeah, and uh, I think that's that's reasonable. Uh, I'll go with who my pick would have been at three, and, and that was uh, that's Zeke Elliott. Um, yeah, they're they're probably going to run the ball a little bit less. I mean, their offseason moves, uh, getting rid of Garrett and all that is it's definitely going to show them more towards uh, a, a, pa- a more passing team than they have been recently. But I still think that Elliott's talent on the ground um, and the uptick in targets he saw last year definitely point to him still being a proficient and elite fantasy option um yeah and and that that's and with the the contract extension he's definitely going to be around there for a bit so i'll, I'll go elliot at, at four um my number five um i'll i'll stick with chubb even though i'm probably going to drop him down in my next version of these rankings um i think the talent's there he's proven that he can he can make things happen and and be electric in the past game even if Cleveland has used him inconsistently in that phase uh, uh, so far the first couple of years, um, and definitely Hunt Hunt lowers that value, but I'll take the known commodity here over um, a guy like uh, Taylor uh, or you know with a Mixon who uh, is playing behind an atrocious offensive line, and even if they made additions this year, it, it tends to take that year plus to uh, get that cohesion on the line to really make the difference uh, that you want to see when you make those changes. Uh, my next running back here, I should do the play the game theory, right? And let, uh, let cook go, but uh, I would rather just take him. He's another guy though, that, that does have that contract coming up. Um, they did resign Kirk cousins. So they seem like they're really pushing for the, Hey, we think we've got a team here that can win now. I know, you know, what, a, how much does it have? How much value really is a running back? But it would be a little bit surprising if he didn't return. But um, if he didn't, that would be a, a big hit to his value. But I will take a, a Delvin Cook here. Um, I will uh, go ahead. Uh, I'm Cook. Not 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 that I think it. Again, like we talked about when we were discussing this whole tier before. I uh, I have Chubb to uh, Acres as 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 a tier. Uh, Chubb, yeah, Chubb to Acres as a tier. Uh, in which I didn't see any of them going anywhere, but uh, you said about not letting him go. Madison was a second-round pick last year, wasn't he? Um, or was he third? Uh, let me. I don't exactly remember, honestly. Uh, Alexander Madison. He was uh, third round, end of the third round, thirtieth pick in the third round. Thirtieth, okay. So yeah, I, I mean it, it's it's not insubstantial, but it, it definitely doesn't uh, it doesn't point to it having to be uh, what 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 are the words I'm looking for? As you can read my mind, um, um, just it, it's not an insubstantial investment, but it, it's not precluding of bringing Cook back because you made that much investment in his backup. So yeah, I, I I'll uh, yeah I'll give I'll give you that. It makes it makes sense as a pick and. And even if he ends up somewhere else, I think he'll still be proficient for that team. So, yeah. 
Uh, my next pick would have to be Joe Mixon. He's the the last one in that that top tier guys. He again, I get I get all the all the contract guys. Um, he's up up at this year as well. Um, he's already threatening the holdout. We'll see what what ends up happening with him. I don't think he quite has the leverage um, that he maybe thinks he has with you know really struggling at the beginning of the year last year. I know the second half he really turned it on, but just as an organization, you've got uh, quite a bit of leverage there with. Uh, with him struggling without a great offense around him, I think uh, Joe Burrow um, could be a huge addition to that offense. Just any uh, any sort of stable and or not necessarily stable quarterback, but any sort of quarterback with uh, with any upside um, is a huge help to him with having uh, not a lot around him in that offense throughout his career. Yeah, I I think yeah, if he stays in Cincinnati, it's it's probably. Not for the best. Well, with with Burrow, it's it, it you can make a case for it being more towards the best and, and definitely taking pressure off. And uh, yeah, his his value between right now and what we see next year is definitely going to be probably a pretty wide gap uh, if he ends up moving on. Uh, uh, for my, I mean, for my next one, I'm going to lump these two guys together uh, or just talking about them together. I'll take Taylor at uh, what is that eight, and then Jacobs at nine. Uh, I, I'm. We talked about it before. Assuming Clyde Edwards-Helaire, who a lot of people have as the uh, top rookie back, I, I just think Taylor is uh, can be more out of the passing game than he has been. Uh, but and you could make the argument that I'm underrating the impact that Hines is going to have on his upside in that in that field. But I think Taylor is going to be on the field for that team on seventy or eighty percent of the the running back snaps by the end of the, or by midway through the season. And that's just a lot of value uh, to, to pass up at this point. And the same goes for Jacobs. Uh, I think he was better in his rookie year than a lot of people thought. Um, hopefully Oakland is sincere in saying they're going to get him more involved in the passing game. The fact that he wasn't as involved as he could have been, or as he showed he, he should have been at, at Alabama uh, is definitely upside to his value that we didn't see out of him year one. Uh, and I, I just think uh, him still being, you know, early in his age 22 uh, or being going to be in his age 22 year and and having performed as well as he did last year that uh, he's he's well within that RB1 tier this year. And, and I, I'm happy to get him at nine. Yeah, for me, the main thing that worried me about Jacobs was I was really trying to buy him this offseason. I, th- I thought they were going to you know try to get him more involved in the passing game. Uh, you know, falling into that trap, and now they, you know, uh, re-signed Jalen Richard, and they drafted Lynn Bowden. Everyone kind of assumed, okay, he's gonna, you know, play the slot role, and now they've already come out and said he's gonna play running back. Well, I'm not sure how many how many targets the the running back can have there. I know they got uh, Dink and Dunk, David Carr, but uh, they sure seem to to not want to put Jacobs in that role, which I don't I don't really understand because that was his, one of his biggest strengths coming out of college. Derek Carr. Oh, Derek Carr, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, it's it's definitely an issue. I, I I would say that the re-signing of Richard is almost certainly just because they didn't have anything else for running backs on the roster. You know, uh, Cowboys legend, le- legend Rod Smith isn't really <laughs> scaring anyone. So, um, yeah, the the, the Bowden pick is interesting. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up uh, having – a uh, Duke Johnson-esque role in the offense where he's in the slot as much as he is in the backfield, uh, like uh, Houston showed with, with Johnson last year uh, to a fair extent. 
Um, but yeah, de- de- definitely having bringing voting in as a receiving back and having Rashard still on the roster uh, is is a, is some built-in downside as far as the passing game that I can absolutely see somebody or scaring somebody off about Jacobs. I'm getting a little off topic here, but uh, with Lynn Bowden, I think if you do play on on sleeper, I know he is eligible at running back and receiver. So if he did, you know, a Jacobs injury, all of a sudden Lynn Bowden's getting, you know, eight carries and six targets a game. Being able to plug that into receiver is huge. That was part of the reason I, in our in a recent dynasty draft on sleeper, I traded back in the third round to get him, hoping that that would be the case. And as of right now, it is. I know on my fantasy league, he just got changed to just running back. But I don't know if sleeper, um, I'm, I think they'll keep it the same. There's a couple other guys that have that dual eligibility on there. So right now he is a running back and wide receiver. Yeah, definitely a good point and something to keep an eye on. And in all your leagues, uh, if there's guys who have dual eligibility, can be a huge asset uh, that helps you cover two ros- or back up two roster spots at once um, or at least provide depth at both. So. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Uh, where do you think you're going to go here? At, uh, or I have a feeling I know where you're going to go here at number 10. But uh, Yeah, I'm going to try to take the, the two guys that were the, the, the number twos in those two classes, uh, Miles Sanders and Claude Edwards-Solaire. Um, it's weird how these two classes are kind of similar. These guys are definitely both the probably lower, uh, lower floor, higher ceiling with the pass-catching ability. Um, I think I am really high on Miles Sanders this year with them not really bringing anyone. I know they had Boston Scott, who showed a little bit last year that maybe he'll take a little bit of the passing down work. Um, I know everyone talks about the Eagles always having, you know, the running back by committee. I don't totally buy into that. I think what they've shown this year is uh, they're pretty committed to him. I think he was running back 15 last year, and that was with a, with not playing a ton at the beginning of the season and Jordan Howard taking a lot of those, uh, a lot of the snaps from him. And then it, yeah, start- you, you- Sorry. Oh, God. Yeah, usage is always kind of like uh, injuries uh, or how we talk about injuries for specific players. Usage is uh, based on head coaches. Uh, it always is until it isn't. So uh, I, I think that's a that's a fair point on Sanders. We you know he comes from or Peterson comes from that Andy Reid tree, and and when Reid had a running back like Westbrook, he he let him eat. So I, I think if they like Sanders as much as a lot of people in the uh, NFL and fantasy community do. Uh, he's gonna get. He's gonna get the work if if he can handle it. Yeah. Um. And my next pick, Clyde Edwards-Helaire. I just think he has. I wasn't very high on him coming in. I I really don't think he's that talented. But I just think clearly Kansas City showed that they want him, and with that offense, he might not need to be. He's gonna have for sure the pass catching role to start the year. Uh. That offense is just going to score so many points that uh, all his touches are just going to be more valuable than uh, than the touches that a lot of the running backs, like uh, guys that I'm slightly behind him, like a J.K. Dobbins or even a Cam Akers, um, are going to get. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then that leaves me with the uh, the last pick here on uh, in, in our 12 running back mock, I guess we'll call it. Um, I'll go with Dobbins. Um, I think you can make a case for Akers, uh, well, like better as a prospect, but Dobbins ends up in a, in a role that if he proves out should suit him perfectly, uh, next to Lamar Jackson, uh, the, the even, uh, old ass Mark Ingram has, uh, performed well the last couple of years. Uh, it's Gus Edwards isn't exactly, uh, you know, an all world level talent, uh, and Dobbins, uh, is athletic and, 
played in similar roles both this past season and two years ago in, in Ohio State. Uh, the Haskins year wasn't as much featured that way, but uh, Dobbins can, and can scoot, and you see what he did against you know Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game, and then uh, a Clemson in the the semifinal game. He he can definitely perform against high end talent, and and that offense suits him uh, almost perfectly uh, as far as landing spot and where guys jumped up to. Uh, him and Ed, uh, Edwards Lair uh, uh, both uh, skyrocketed because of where they landed, and and that's always something to take into consideration. And not to knock either one of them as, as talents or athletes. Uh, I, it's just a, a matter of, of, of fact where they were pre-draft and where they were after they landed in their respective spots. So, yeah, I, I think uh, you could make a case for a number of guys here. You know, Akers, uh, what that Rams role is going to look like is anybody's guess. Um, I, I really liked Henderson coming out last year, and, and I think this signifies that he's not going to have that lead back role. I still think he has... Uh, passing game option role, which will be interesting to watch uh, preseason and early on this year to get an idea. I still think uh, Fournette and Henry are extremely talented, uh, but if, for a dynasty purposes, they're both already into their, uh, you know, Fournette will be 25 this year and, and Henry will be 26 midway through the year uh, and both play upright with pretty punishing styles. Uh, so you can definitely question their longevity, but I, I think those, 14 or so are probably where you're stopping as far as guys you would would look to take here at least at least for me um you had some you had swift at 14 right yeah um just to kind of come back on dobbins real quick i do think he has a little more upside than uh people talk about uh for even just this year i know uh, gus edwards had over 700 rushing yards uh last year with you know being the big number the the number two clearly behind ingram last year i think that'll be a little a little more even split uh, with J.K. Dobbins, and you know you're one injury away from all of a sudden a top five running back. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, he, yeah. He has he has wonderful upside this year and going forward. I, I absolutely agree. Um, I I know we uh, kind of winded down here, but I there was uh, Swift. We didn't talk about either in the rookies or when talking about our rankings. Um, I'm not low or low, low on him. I think I had him at, uh, or I have him at 17, I think in my running backs. Yeah. 17. I do have him at 14. So we weren't far off as far as talking to him. I, I just, I don't, that landing spot is weird. I, I, it, it feels like the hype on Swift is about where we had the hype on Johnson when he got there. Um, I think the line is better now than it was when carry on got there, but carry on still there. Um, and I just I wonder if they're going to eat each other's upside uh, when it comes to how the split is there and what either one of them can can do this season, uh, especially with uh, if Patricia learned lessons from Belichick. Uh, Belichick, uh, those offenses always favored the hot hand, and, and I, I wonder if we're going to start to see something very similar with Detroit. Yeah, I think the other thing that worries about me is uh, them taking Jason Huntley in the fifth round. Who is clearly not uh, clearly going to be a you know a satellite back in the NFL? Everyone's talking about you know maybe a, a 40-60 split between Carry On and uh, and Swift and you know Swift at least getting the pass catching role. Well, the biggest issue with that is well then why did they even why did they spend a fifth round pick on on a pass catching running back? I think that's one situation where it's might be really tough this first year. I'm just kind of betting on on talent more than talent and draft capital more than situation at all. I think the situation is absolutely terrible. Um, I don't understand really what they're doing, why they took another second round running back and then 
<laughs> paired it with the fifth round running back. I mean, how much, how much can you invest in running back? And carry on still has two years on his contract. So it, uh, I don't really understand what they're doing at the running back position, but, uh, they drafted him at right at the top of the second round for a reason is my, uh, my main thinking there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I still have him squarely as a, a top half of the RB twos. Um, in, in my rankings, I just, I, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, a rising tide lift all, lifts all boats and, and, a, and a hole in the hull will sink everybody. So uh, I just, I, I wonder if they're going to siphon off enough from each other that maybe the role, maybe the role there is a, a satellite back throwing back to the, uh, when, uh, uh, what was his name? The, the receiving back in De- Detroit for all those years. Yeah, Theo Riddick. Theo Riddick, yeah. If we see Huntley or a, a Ty Johnson or something, the third back in, in Detroit becomes the useful one because they get to move around and play elsewhere where Swift and Kerry and Johnson are just kind of, of eating into each other's share. Yeah, I know that had been kind of the talk last year that you know you can deal with an offense that has two running backs you know, splitting the work, but once you get to the, to the three-headed monster, that's when it really becomes – comes an issue yeah you can you can you can you can live off of a, a gordon eckler situation or uh a, a thompson wh- whoever or you can get value out of what washington was with chris thompson where thompson was always a useful running back even though he was never a workhorse but yeah if you guys have two if you have two guys who are are, are filling up the same range even if they skew slightly one way side of one role or that same role uh, as the other uh, yeah i just it seems like a disaster might be a disaster in Detroit right now. And I just, I don't, it, where I have Swift, I'm not going to get him in startups uh, and it, especially in rookie drafts for the most part, because there'll either be someone who I value more at that spot, um, but, or I'll look to trade out for someone who, who really likes him and wants to get up to make sure they get him. For me, I have him at the end of my tier three, and that's kind of where I kind of cut off. I mean, if one of these guys behind him falls, I'm, you know, more than willing to take him to start up. But um, guys after that, I'm not necessarily targeting. I just think there's a big, a big drop off after that. You know, a lot of these guys have the, the contract question mark, like we talked about, um, the workload or the pass catching down question mark. Um, I just think there's a the big gap between uh, those top 14 guys for me and then everybody else. I'm trying to target, you know, if I can get, two two of those guys in the top 14 in every league and then just guys in the the 30 40 50 range that's uh kind of where i would be happy and kind of prefer that situation yeah no i I, yeah absolutely and yeah that that everything after what you have there is uh, you know guys ending their contract and and even for you know mostly for me i i think uh yeah i i want one or two of those top guys if i can get them and then yeah it's I might take a shot if someone falls or if the value's right, but yeah, I'm definitely you're ta- I'm gonna take upside uh, rookies or young guys, and then and then work from there as far as filling up my roster. So, yeah, and uh, anything else, uh, anything that you had noticed before that you kind of wa- forgot or wanted to come back to, or um, no, I think we covered uh, covered a lot of it. All right, well, sounds good. This was fun and. Uh, we'll hopefully make this a, a regular thing. So you have a good day, and I, we'll, I'll talk to you uh, soon. Talk to you soon. All right, bye.